This is Mindset for Success, a We Global Studios podcast. We explore the familiar, but not often talked about, deep-rooted emotional experiences that successful females have when setting up their businesses, and we learn how they overcame them. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen, and I'm very happy to welcome to today's show, Katie Cam. Welcome, Katie, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. Dr. Katie Cam is a vegan wanting to end animal slaughter by creating the win-win solution of providing cultured meat that avoids harm to animals and the environment. Her role as founder and CEO of BOBQ is the culmination of 25 years of cumulative experience as a biologist, chemist, civil engineer, community planner, business owner, science teacher, and engineering research professor. Katie, would you share with our listeners a bit of your entrepreneurial journey, which began perhaps growing up in barbecue central Texas, where your family and friends deeply enjoyed barbecue and you even worked at a barbecue restaurant. Yes, that's uh, what motivated me to name my company Biobecue is I knew I wanted to get into the cultured meat space uh, because, as you mentioned, I saw it as the, the win-win solution. Um, I've been vegan for a long time, tried to convince friends and family to go vegan, and it just just isn't happening. They, they like the meat. So um, when I came up with the name, it was pulling from that experience of you know, the weekly family dinners at the barbecue restaurant and the time that um, I worked at a barbecue restaurant before I went vegetarian and then vegan. Um, it just made sense to establish the first cultured meat company in Texas and, and call it Biobecue. Tell me a little bit about how did it go and was it tough going at the beginning being a female in civil engineering, right? Yeah. So being a female civil engineer has been um, an experience where I was warned some things might come up and indeed they have. And so it, it started, uh, we can go back a little bit, back when I was in undergraduate at, at Texas A&M and I was signing up for classes and I had already done very well in calculus in high school, took the AP exam, passed that. And um, I have this very sharp memory, even though it's from many years ago, of the advisor telling me, oh, you're not ready for college level calculus. We're going to make you retake that. And at the time I was uh, declared engineering as my major and I was thinking civil engineering would be what I would do. And, and for some reason, I just let that advisor's um, comment that I wasn't ready, even though I felt ready, even though the scores showed I was ready, I, I let that get to me. And so I was like, huh, well, maybe I'm not ready. And I, I kind of lost my confidence and I dropped out of engineering and I went to go get another degree instead. Um, of course, now really kicking myself for doing that. Uh, but I eventually, you know, later in life, got that engineering degree and you know, I you know, didn't retake calculus one. I went straight to calculus two and differential equations and, and made it happen. Uh, but that was kind of the first signal uh, that, um, you know, I, it, I felt like there was going to be some barriers put up for me to, to become an engineer. How is it that you found the will to persevere? Um, you came back to it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was definitely more... 
I guess, internal. I can't say at the time that I did finally decide to go back to school and take the courses, the prerequisites to go get the engineering degree. I can't say there was necessarily at that time a, a mentor. It was just more of an internal voice of like, no, you want to do this. You can do this. You did well in school. Um, and then at that time, I'd already worked with, um, you know, I was working as an urban planner. So I was already working uh, somewhat with engineers and, you know, uh, a couple of the engineers would, when I, I would ask them questions, I was super curious about what they were doing and um, they were cool. They would show me what they were doing. And I was like, I, I can learn this. Like I can do this. So yeah, I was just, more of, mm -hmm. yeah, I can do this. What appealed to you in terms of engineering? What kind of drove you to that? Yeah. So especially for civil engineering, it was uh, really understanding how cities work and how we can make more sustainable cities. Um, everything from how we manage stormwater to moving people around. I was just, and I was, and I still am absolutely fascinated with, um, you know, how we go about designing cities and from that, how we can um, create more sustainable cities from that. So I just, I just really wanted to know how cities work. Let me ask you this. Was there some risk associated with opening bio BBQ? Oh yeah. So uh, just to give a little bit more background. So after I got my PhD in civil engineering, I worked in consulting for a little bit. And then I decided to strike out on my own as a civil engineering consultant with my own consulting firm. And so BioBicU is actually my second business. My first business was the Wheels and Water, uh, which is my civil engineering consulting business. And I, I like how I actually did that, where I started the civil engineering consulting business first, because that gave me my first <laughs> dive into being an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little bit different from BioBQ in the sense that with consulting, I can just, you know, say, hey, these are the services I can offer. And I start getting clients that way and getting projects and paid. BioBQ is a little bit different in that it's a startup. Um, and we are solidly in the research and development phase of, you know, trying to create cultured meat. And so uh, the difference between those two entrepreneurial um, endeavors is that now with BioBQ, I can't offer a professional service and have a project and, you know, turn it around. It's, I need to go ask investors for money and I need to say, you know, give me some money and I promise you, I will meet these milestones and, uh, you know, work closer towards getting the cultured meat uh, to market. The consulting business that you started though, allowed you to gain an awful lot of, I guess, experience and confidence or confidence in the experience you had. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being an entrepreneur, starting your own business, uh, it takes a certain personality to do that. And I realized I definitely have that personality. There's going to be times where, uh, you know, especially when you first start, finances are tight and you just have to have the mentality of stay calm, just keep working at it. And uh, eventually the projects will come, the money will come. Uh, but you have to be very comfortable with that uncertainty and uh, not, I know some people that would just freak them out. They couldn't do it. <laughs> so, And why do you think you are able to do it? Um, good question. I think a lot of it has to do with um, the vision and the mission and the motivation behind why I'm starting the businesses. So with Wheels and Water, I really wanted to be able to 
focus my energy on projects that I was really personally interested in because I felt like they had some type of impact, whether it be working on an affordable housing development project or helping out with research on low-speed electric vehicles so we can create more sustainable transportation system. It was that drive to get away from just being plugged into some company and being handed projects to being more proactive of like, I want I want to work on these types of projects. And so I think having that mindset is what helped me go, no, I'm, I'm going to make this happen this way. Mm-hmm. Tell me something, growing up, were you the kind of person who fit in with her peers? <laughs> um, in many ways, no. <laughs> so uh the most obvious is I was always very tall. Um, so I'm about six feet tall and I always stood out that way. Um, and uh, I don't know if maybe that had, you know, contributed a lot to it, but I did always feel like I was a little bit um, different. Uh, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, I didn't notice um, as I got uh, older, like middle school, high school, I was just, I, I just have an insatiable curiosity. Um, I just want to learn everything, you know, and it, it's not like, you know, I want to be a know-it-all or whatever. It's just like, I just really want to understand the world. I really want to know how it works. And I want mm-hmm. to take that knowledge and apply it and be like, okay, now how can we make the world better with this? Um, and so, you know, in high school, when everyone's in the lunchroom, you know, socializing, talking about stuff. I was just like, yeah, I just don't feel like doing that. I, I just want to go work on my science experiment during lunch. And so I go to the science teacher's classroom and, and work on my science fair project or go to the library and read books. And so, um, yeah, I just loved engaging my mind in that way. And so I definitely felt like I, I probably came across as antisocial, which really isn't the case. I actually very much enjoy socializing with people. It's just, I, there's certain things I like to socialize about and, and I just liked engaging my mind in that way. So, so you're the kind of woman who likes, who's not afraid of doing things her own way. Oh yeah, for sure. But I definitely, um, highly value feedback from others. I, I like, I like to, pursue things, but I like reaching out to others to get their ideas and and their feedback and to move forward with that. So I'm not one of those that's like, oh, I I have this one thing I want to do and I'm just going to move forward with, you know, these blinders on. Um, I actually enjoy kind of bringing others into this and and seeing what they think and and taking in those ideas as I go. You spoke to me in our pre-interview about how high school, there was a lot of social inequality. Um, and this kind of um, impacted you in terms of looking at yourself, but also looking at the world. Tell me a little bit about how that played out for you growing up and maybe even in terms of undergrad and grad. Yeah, for I can think back even back to elementary school already sensing um, inequity. Um, and I could see that in the neighborhood I lived in. And, you know, at the time, um, the very first few years of elementary school, I was in Dallas and then my parents moved to Austin when I think I was like in second or third grade. Um, but in Dallas, we had, you know, the busing, um, program mm-hmm. and, uh, then our, our neighborhood was, it, um, had some, it was interesting. You just go a few blocks and it was a very different feel. And, um, 
so I picked up pretty early on about you know this inequity, and um, I also noted that it bothered me, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. and it was something to to think about, and um, it has been a concern of mine, continues to be a concern of mine, and uh, actually, right before this podcast, I was um, in a meeting. I'm uh, mentoring high school teachers, and a lot of them had questions about, um, you know, what we can do for students to help, you know, keep them on the path, you know, to a career that they're interested in. And, you know, it just it um, really emphasized to me how important it is to um, be proactive in, in helping others um, and, and giving them the confidence and the the resources needed to, to help them go you know, the direction they, they want to go. And, Which would have been helpful for you when your advisor told you don't apply to engineering or don't oh, continue. With yeah. yeah, I wish, you know, I really wish I knew the name of the person and I could just go back to him and say, listen here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, that was, you know, please don't ever do that. And um, it, yeah, and I, I think back to that moment of I really, I needed to... You know, I needed someone in my life, I think, at that point to be like, yeah, blow that advisor off. Go get go sign up for that calculus class. You know, the calculus because you were being treated inequitable, by the way. Yeah, I you know, I you know, I don't know, you know, if they were saying that to the males that were going in there or it was just me. I have no idea. But I do know that that had a significant um, impact mm-hmm. on me to the point that, you know, over 20 years later, I'm still talking about it. So, <laughs> right. And you're also mentoring high school teachers. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is definitely something that I took that to heart. And I was just, I just vowed, like, I'm going to be that type of person. And, you know, I have two kids and I do the same thing with my two kids. And it happened with my daughter. Like she was wanting to sign up for a math class at her community college and the advisor was telling her, no, you can't take that. And I was like, Oh, no, she doesn't. <laughs> you, you talk to that professor and you talk to that advisor and you push back and, and you get into that class. So, um, yeah, no, I'm I'm a big I, I will be on your side and I will push for you to 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 go after if someone's trying to be a barrier. So does that have any impact on why you um, went out and and took the risk to open BOBQ? In the sense that you're you're sort of fighting for the the meat lovers who want to be vegan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Biobecue is definitely like that's the definition of like a passion project. Like this is like, uh, like you mentioned at the intro, like this is culmination of my biology, my chemistry, my engineering, my urban planning, my you know, um, drive to create a more compassionate, sustainable world. Um, you know, to be considerate of other beings, like this just wraps everything up. And so uh, that makes it super easy for me to jump in and make this happen. And, you know, I'm definitely encountering barriers. Like I have been fundraising for BioBQ for, you know, off and on for the past year. And it mm-hmm. is a lot of rejection. Uh, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've heard either outright no or not now when you're further along in the process. And I'm like, well, I need some money to get further along in the process. Right. We'll go find someone that will give you money this early. So, um, yeah. And it's, you know, I know the statistics, you know, are it's working against me. I, I you know, it varies. I think it's something like between two and five percent of 
startups are actually female founded. So I know there's a lot of things working against me right now. Um, but uh, no, not giving up. <laughs> and so, you know. So, so let me ask you this because, you know, we probably have a lot of listeners, young listeners that want to, are looking at being entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. How do you handle the no's? How do you still find the courage and the strength and the determination to go forward in spite of the no's? Yeah, it's um, actually really easy because uh, for me, culture and me, uh, we have to do this. This isn't like, oh, this would be a nice to have. This is, We're at the point where we absolutely have to make this happen in this world because it's not sustainable uh, from an environmental standpoint to continue um, slaughtering animals for meat. And um, it's also, you know, not compassionate to be slaughtering all these animals. So um, it makes it super easy. The reasons why I started Biobecue to just keep going and, and make sure, you know, to find those funding partners that also believe in this vision and will provide the funding. Um, so there's no choice. Yeah, really, there isn't. It has to happen. And I know that I'm definitely a person to invest in to make this happen. Because if you look at my background, I obviously <laughs> overachieve on things and um, it, it just has to happen. That's what keeps me going, even if I get a no. Um, I also understood from our pre-interview that you need time alone to think about things and be able to prepare for things. Mm -hmm. That's always been true, or this is something you've sort of picked up along the way, opening two businesses? Uh, yeah, I think that's always been true for me. I think that's just part of my personality. I've always, I like interaction, social interaction. I very much enjoy it, but I also like to pull back from that and have some quiet time to reflect and learn and read. Um, and I'd be curious. Yeah. Yeah. You told me that you are able to cut out emotions and sort of let emotions be water on a duck's back. <laughs> Can you share a little bit about, um, the history of this when, when do you remember first feeling it, starting it, experiencing it? And I don't know, thoughts on how to have other entrepreneurs be able to do that? Yeah, um, I guess there's a couple aspects to that. Uh, one is I've tended to be ever since I was young, and especially so um, as I get older through high school, college, and, and now of wanting to be a, a peacekeeper um, in the sense of trying to figure out ways to um, not have a situation get out of hand, but be like, okay, what does this person want? What does this person want? Okay, let's try to find the common ground. Um, and I actually really enjoy that. And I think part of the whole, like, you know, dealing with emotions and water off a duck's back type thing is just trying to look closer at the source of those emotions and why people are feeling those emotions um, and then working through that, like reasoning through it. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I really enjoy is, um, and so I can tell some people get frustrated with it because I like, I really like to just talk things out. That's really how I want to manage things. Like if there's feelings involved, Let's just talk it out, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like that's the most productive and can be the most insightful way to, to deal with um, situations as they, they come up. But talking things out means keeping the emotions to the side and just working through the rationale. Yeah, exactly. Just like, okay, you know, I'm, 
I'm feeling this. This is why I'm feeling it. And can we work on that part? So more problem solving than anything else. Definitely. I'm very much oriented towards problem solving. And that's been true forever and ever? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, you know, I think back to, you know, I'm just going back to my school age time, like when I was in, um, you know, middle school, I was always thinking like, okay, what, what club can I join and what are they working on to, to make the world better type thing? And then, mm-hmm. you know, continuing that on into high school where I, you know, became president of the environmental club and, you know, we weren't recycling any paper at that school, even though at the end of the school year, there was mountains of paper and it was just being thrown. Mm-hmm. So I was like, ah, no, it's terrible. <laughs> we got to do something about it. So I would just collect a bunch of cardboard boxes and put them in every classroom and personally pick them all up until we could finally get a more like formal paper recycling program. But yeah, just seeing a problem and being like, ah, oh, let's solve it. <laughs> and where do you think your sensitivity towards being, having a more sustainable life came from? Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know, I just, I I naturally just became, even at a young age, very concerned about place and, you know, the environment and making sure everyone around me is okay. I don't know, I've just always had that. I would credit, I think, the, um, specifically the concern about the environment, I would credit a couple things uh, with, uh, one, growing up in, um, well, a little bit in Dallas, uh, had some experience there. We, we, we lived near White Rock Lake, and that was always just a very pleasant experience to live in the city, but have access to that beautiful natural area mm-hmm. of Dallas. And then uh, when we moved to Austin, we moved to a suburb where our house backed up to the Texas Hill Country. Um, it wasn't a while until more subdivisions came in and um, bulldozed it down. But it was during that time where I would just literally walk outside and go play in the woods. And I just really loved being out in nature. And then when the surveyors and the contractors started coming in to bulldoze everything, I was like, well, wait, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, this is horrible. Mm -hmm. Like it's destroying something very beautiful and wonderful to be in. Um, And I mean, it's kind of ironic. I became a civil engineer because that's what we do, but I'm trying to do it as sustainably (laughs) as possible. (laughs) And, you know, change the regulations. So we're not doing that. But um, yeah, I think that uh, those experiences as well as, you know, my family loved to go travel to national parks and it was just always really nice to to do that. And and I imagine that there was a lot of alone time in terms of being able to go out into nature. It was right there in the backyard and sort of, I don't know, be excited about things and think about things as well. Oh yeah. Like I was already, it was, it was probably pretty obvious. I was already an urban planner and civil engineer just watching me play out in the woods. Cause I would go collect rocks and create pathways mm-hmm. and, you know, build structures out there. So yeah, I, it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was sort of the foundation for what you took up next. Yeah. Yeah. Last question. Do you think that you're growing up um, helped or hindered your mindset for success? Uh, definitely helped. So, um, I mean, I've, I'm fortunate. Um, I privilege, I will definitely admit that. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, except for the occasional advisor that tells me not to pursue a class or something, I would say overall that I was, you know, privileged to be in a school system that had, you know, excellent education. So, you know, I went to a top high school and was able to go to a top university. My parents were able to afford it. So I'm 
I'm just going to flat out say that I was privileged by Mm -hmm. that. And, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't squander it. I took advantage of it. Like I was like, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to, I, I realize what I have here and I'm going to make the most of it. Um, Mm -hmm. so I think, you know, that helped, um, you know, being in that type of setting helps give you the confidence because you, you know, you're getting a good education. Um, the second is, uh, my dad is an entrepreneur. He started his own, uh, structural engineering company when I was really young and that's all he's done. And so I already had a role model of, you know, if you start your own engineering business, this is how you can operate it. This is how it runs. And I worked for him a little bit. So again, I got to see that firsthand. And so when I started my own civil engineering business, um, I knew, you know, I had a general idea. Kind of a mentor for you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So again, something that I was privileged to have. And so um, again, that's why I find it important in my role now. uh, Not everyone has that experience or that background. And so Mm -hmm. I want to step in and and provide that for people that don't necessarily have that. Mm -hmm. Great. Believe it or not, we're at the end of our podcast. And I want to say thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate your time. Okay. And thank you for inviting me to this. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. And where can our listeners find you? Can you give me some internet um, information for them if in case they're interested in reaching out to you? Yes. So uh, I'm on LinkedIn and uh, highly recommend getting on that for professional reasons. Uh, so I'm at KDKM and then it has my credentials PhD PE on it. So that's the way you can find me on LinkedIn and KAM is the last name. And then also you can go to the BioBQ website, which is uh, www.biobqing.com. So it's B-I-O-B-Q-I-N-G.com. And uh, my email address is on there as well. Great. Thank you again, Katie, very much for your time. This podcast is brought to you by We Global Studios, the first startup innovation studio and digital DIY startup platform for women entrepreneurs around the world. For more information on our guests, this podcast, and many other female founder programs, please visit weglobalstudios.com. I'm your host, Dr. Leslie Knutson. Please drop me a line at mindsetforsuccess at weglobalstudios.com. See you next week.